I have three questions for you, football fans. Is J.J. Watt the Houston Texans' best receiver? Which bird of prey do you prefer this week, Seahawk or Eagle? And is it time for Johnny Football? I'm Adashina Koike, and you're listening to Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk. And we are back with you, and another episode of Down and Distance is underway. And we thank you so very much for joining us on Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk. We've had a couple of bye weeks in the past couple of weeks, but we are back with you once again. I am Adashina Koike, and with my co-host with the mostest, um, co-hostess with the mostest, I'll get that correct, uh, Holly <laughs> Culbertson is with me. Holly, how are you doing today? I'm good. Yes, and uh, of course you're good. We're talking football. Of it's course. the f- First games in the month of December, this is when the games really, really, really count. Of course, they count in September and October and November, but December, uh, they really count. And so many teams are still in this division hunt and playoff hunt. Mm -hmm. It probably promises to be one of the most dramatic finishes to an NFL season in recent memory. I agree. I think both divisions, everything is so tight. Yeah, everything is so tight. <laughs> it is, and it and it makes for a lot of productive conversations about the National Football League. And before we talk about Week 14 of the National Football League, we'll take a look back at Week 13 and specifically the Thanksgiving games, because all three Thanksgiving games. Uh, first of all, I hope your Thanksgiving was good. Uh, first of all, and um, all the three Thanksgiving games had huge importance. You had the Detroit Lions looking to stay in the division hunt in the NFC North as well as in the wild card race, and they took care of business against the Chicago Bears team that pretty much um, that was their last stand, and uh, they did not come through. The Lions won 34-17. Then in Arlington, the matchup between the two teams at the top of the NFC East and Philadelphia and Chip Kelly Magic, they did it again, blew out the Cowboys, uh, 33-10 to 10, uh, in Arlington. I blame the blue uniforms on the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of fans will tell you that those are bad luck <laughs> uniforms. They wore them on Thanksgiving, and uh, Philly uh, promptly rolled them over. And then in the Thanksgiving night game, the Seahawks and 49ers, and the Seahawks with a very impressive 19-3 win. Their defense did a number on the 49ers and or the 49ers just didn't do a good job on offense at least if you talk to the daughter of the general manager of the San Francisco 49ers who tweeted her uh, displeasure for uh, Greg Roman the offensive coordinator of the 49ers so we have three important games the Lions staying within striking distance in the NFC North you have the Eagles just really taking it to the Cowboys and laying claim to the NFC East lead. And you have the Seahawks looking like they're coming back to their Super Bowl form from last year. So of all those three games in Thanksgiving, all important games, I guess what was your biggest takeaway or takeaways from the games on Turkey Day? My biggest takeaway is Dallas is proving to be Dallas Cowboys and choking at the end <laughs> of the season. That's the takeaway. I, I said at the beginning of the season that it was – this was going to happen in December. Yeah, it's on record. I predicted that this was going to happen. Um, I think my biggest surprise is how well the Eagles are playing with Mark Sanchez. Uh, I, I'm very shocked, <laughs> to be honest with you. I mean, he's still a little inter- interception prone, yeah. but I, I'm really kind of shocked. And uh, maybe it's a it's a good combination with Chip Kelly and Mark, but it, I'm blown away by that. So good on them. But you know, I kind of predicted this. I. I 
picked the Eagles to win that game um, because I know Dallas. I mean, everybody knows <laughs> Dallas. This is what they do. So that was that takeaway. The, my biggest takeaway was, uh, again, and then the other was the, the Seattle game. Um, there's been pro- I've been saying it all season. There's a lot of problems with the 49ers, um, and I don't think it's the team so much. I think it's all the outside stuff going on with the coach and the management. And, I mean, you have – the daughter of <laughs> yeah, the GM, yeah. the, the GM making comments, and that does that, that isn't helpful to your team. Um, it's it's a distraction to your team, and there's a lot of distractions with the San Francisco 49ers that have been all year, um, and it's it's spilling out onto the field. Um, so that that was a big takeaway for me. You know, San Francisco is done for this season. I mean, they're talking about trading the coach in December. <laughs> I mean, there's problems there, and they've got to be fixed. So they have to clean house. Um, I think Kaepernick's slightly overrated. I mean, he is a good quarterback. He's a good running quarterback. The kid can run by everybody. Um, but they do need some coaching changes. They need to, you know, step things up a little bit, and they need to clean house. They let, do. Let me pose this to you about the Cowboys, who you said again, it's on record that they were going to choke and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did lose to the Eagles, and they get blown out. And the same thing with the 49ers, they got blown out Mm -hmm. uh, by Seattle. Instead of focusing, let me play devil's advocate, instead of focusing on the history of the Cowboys and or the internal strife of the 49ers, wouldn't it be just a case of both the Cowboys and the 49ers lost to really good teams? Well, no, and that's true. They did. They did lose to good teams, no doubt. But you have to remember, you know, oh, Romo's playing hurt. Yeah. Okay, he's hurt. Um, Romo's injury prone. He has been for the last three years, which which is why they kind of choke. They they, they get in, Dallas Cowboys get injured in the worst possible times, um, and so that's a problem for Dallas. And yeah, they played amazingly great team. Seattle is a good team, but they've been very they've been kind of up and down this year. So you sometimes you don't know which Seattle team's going to show up. Um, the last couple games. They've showed up. Yeah. You know, Seattle has shown up. So, you know, feasibly, San Francisco could have won that game if the other Seattle team showed up, you know, from earlier in the season. It, that didn't happen. So when the, the Seattle team that is the Super Bowl champ shows up, no one's beating them. And that's what happened the other night. Yeah. That, that's exactly what happened the yeah, other night. My couple of biggest takeaways are comebacks, essentially. And I don't want to dismiss uh, the Detroit Lions and their win because, quite oh, frankly... Yeah, we didn't even yeah, talk about no, don't, that. Oh, don't worry about it. Uh, because, quite frankly, you mentioned how you said you had thought the Eagles were going to win the game going into the game. Mm-hmm. They did just that. Honestly, and thank goodness this wasn't part of our selection, Elections last week weren't mm-hmm. able to do it. Um, I thought the Bears were going to win on Thanksgiving because that was their last stand. If they had won that game, they would have been to 500, gone to the Thursday night game against the Cowboys with the Cowboys history in December, win that, you're over 500, you have a win against the Cowboys head-to-head, you have a win against the 49ers head-to-head, so I thought the Bears in these two games would really step it up, and for the first quarter, they were up 14-3, to the Bears were there, and it looked as if the Bears could somehow get to the point where they could salvage their season, but all credit to the Detroit Lions. um, uh, Best defense in the NFL. Best defense in the National Football League, absolutely, and uh, they've been really tough tough on opponents and mm-hmm. good job by Matthew Stafford and Joyke Bell. Reggie Bush yeah. hasn't played in a while and Joyke Bell, the hometown kid. He's um, done very, very, very well, well this season uh, for them. As very well. Back. Uh, Golden Tate, one of the best acquisitions mm-hmm. um, in all of football from Seattle to Detroit. Yep. Uh, but my two biggest takeaways are two comebacks, essentially. 
the Seahawks, especially their defense, because you mentioned they've been up and down so mm-hmm. far. Uh, you're gonna you're catching them now on an uptick. Yep. You're catching the Seahawks now timing. on an uptick. <laughs> Perfect timing towards the end of the season. Yeah. And the second comeback, and we talked about him very early, how he wasn't getting going, but he got going in the Thanksgiving game with Sean McCoy. Yeah. Uh, over 100 yards again, as explosive as he has been. Um, at any point in his career, he averaged less than three yards a carry, I believe, in his first four or five exactly. games. And there were questions about Nick Foles and questions about LaShawn McCoy. And uh, he answered those questions affirmatively and did such a great job. And the Eagles offense, it doesn't even matter who's at quarterback. Nick Foles, Mark Sanchez, Holly Culbertson, Adeshina <laughs> Uh They win games. Yeah, because <laughs> they have McCoy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they do. And they have McCoy and they have Chip Kelly. They do uh, have Chip they Kelly, have Chip who, Kelly. who is, I, I think, one of, the, I, one of the coaches I respect most in the NFL. He's just like... A good guy, yeah. And the players respect him, um, and he doesn't lose hope. He doesn't lose faith in his team, and he's smart. I mean, Sanchez does have his issues, and he knows that. So you're going to run the ball more, so it makes it a little easier for Sanchez, and it's working. It's working for them. Um, and I'm for one, am surprised, but it, it's working, <laughs> and, and good for them. And yeah, I'm glad to see McCoy back and in. in, in Proving his naysayers wrong because he's an amazing running back. An amazing running yep. back. Yep. Fourth 100 yard game in his last seven games mm-hmm. uh, for LaShawn McCoy. So, how about this? We're talking about the Seahawks and we're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. Guess which two teams face each other on yeah. Sunday this in uh, Lincoln Financial Field? Yeah, really good game. But again, Seahawks, Eagles uh, did very well as well as the Detroit Lions on Thanksgiving. And then in the Sunday games, J.J. Watt catches another touchdown as the Texans beat the uh, Tennessee Titans. It's, uh, it's possible J.J. Watt might <laughs> be the best player on both sides of the ball I, I, <laughs> for I, I the Houston I Texans. I can't even disagree with you. On that, I think JJ Watt is just a beast. He is, he <laughs> He's is. just a beast <laughs> on both sides. He's a, yeah, I mean, he could put Gronkowski to shame with his catches. Oh so, yeah, oh yeah. Um, it's you know, if he can do that and still maintain the defensive stand that he can, why not? I mean, if it it, it puts points on the board. Let him do it. I mean, how do defenses stop that? How do you stop J.J. Watt? You can't stop offense. Offensive lines can't stop him. So how are defense going to stop? I, you know, let him do it. Yeah. So now teams going up against the Texans will game plan against J.J. Watt when he's on defense and J.J. Watt when he's on offense. Uh, it's uh, a smart move by Houston, amazing. if you ask me. Yes, he's uh, <laughs> Chuck Bednarik, the, going back to the little two-way football yeah. uh, for J.J. Watt. Other big games on uh, last Sunday, the Chargers on the road, a big win yeah. in Baltimore, the first West Coast team to win in Baltimore, uh, winning 34-33 over the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Uh, a couple other games to um, talk about really quick. The Saints lose three games in a row at home, go on the road and defeat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, of course, we all saw that coming. Um, <laughs> no one saw that coming. No one saw that coming. And uh, the Denver Broncos on a Sunday night defeating the Kansas City Chiefs. The Broncos um, a couple of weeks ago didn't have a fun time in the show-me state when the St. Louis Rams absolutely mm-hmm. uh, consumed the Broncos, but uh, the Broncos' latest visit to Missouri was pretty good, a 29-16 win over Kansas City, a team that uh, was hoping to be in the AFC West race, and that loss pretty much puts them out of that. Two back with four to go, essentially three back with four to go because they got swept by the Denver Broncos. And the one other game that I want to talk about extensively from last Sunday, 
The Buffalo Bills defeating the Cleveland Browns, scoring all 26 points in, in the, the second, second half. half. <laughs> to beat the Cleveland Browns 26 to 10. The first game for the Buffalo Bills back in Buffalo after they had to play the quote unquote home game in Detroit, Michigan, and they beat the New York Jets after the whole snowstorm mm-hmm. essentially forced the Bills and the Jets out of Buffalo. Come back home, very emotional. Of course, they honored Daryl Talley. The story came mm-hmm. out. Uh, a couple of stories from the Buffalo News about Daryl Talley and his situation. We'll talk about that uh, later on in this first down. But we're going to talk about the game, 26-10, to 10, the Bills winning the game in that ball game. Brian Hoyer, once again, ineffective, and he was benched. And Johnny Manziel came in, led a touchdown drive. He also got absolutely cold-cocked um, in the end zone uh, when there was an incomplete pass. So a lot of... Fans who are just Johnny Manziel fans and are Cleveland Brown fans that want to see Johnny Manziel at quarterback are hoping that this is the time. Coach Mike Pettin says said today that it'll be Brian Hoyer that'll start for the Cleveland Browns this week against Indianapolis. If you were Coach Mike Pettin, would you stick with Hoyer? He's led you to the record that you have now, but he's struggled mightily in the past few games. Do you put in Johnny Manziel during the stretch run? Do you have a short leash on Brian Hoyer? Do you have a Manziel package? How would you handle this situation right Uh, now going into the Sunday against Indianapolis? um, I would leave Hoyer in. I mean, he has gotten them there. I mean, he has pulled off some amazing wins this year. Um, Yes, he's had a rough couple of games, but there's a lot of quarterbacks that have had a rough game against Buffalo's defense. <laughs> yep, that's very true. <laughs> you know, he's not the only quarterback. He's, he's in good company. <laughs> he's in great company right now. Um, I I see why they brought Manziel in. He, you know, Hoyer wasn't being effective against the defense, and they needed to score points. They immediately did score points with Manziel, but then, of course, the Buffalo defense adjusted to him immediately, and they did not score any more points. So it's, you know, I, you can't really blame Hoyer for the complete loss you know, you have to kind of blame some of the coaching for not adjusting to Buffalo's defense. It's hard to do that, that we have the fastest front four, I think, in the NFL. Somebody said that the other day. I was like, really? <laughs> cool. Not necessarily. Maybe not fast, but just fast out of out the of blocks. Blo- yeah, fast out of the blocks. So, you know, it, it's hard to go. And, you know, Buffalo's offense is not that great, but it, in, to score 26 points in the second half that they adjusted and, you know, Cleveland didn't adjust, and that's not all Hoyer's fault. It's it's just not all his fault. Do you so. give Manziel more time? Yes, you have to give Manziel more time. I mean, yeah, to bring him in at the end of the game to see if he can do something. Yeah, of course. You know that that happens, and and every football team does it when they're losing that bad. They need something to spark their team, and that did it. But to keep him long term, I don't think he's ready. Um, he needs more grooming. There's not enough consistency with him playing with the. With everybody, he needs more you know, practice time with these guys to be able to run an offense completely. And Hoyer's done that this year. No, he's struggled in the last couple games, yes. Um, but that doesn't make he, – he's a good quarterback, and he's done really well for them this year. Um, he's brought Cleveland out of the dungeon, and it, people are talking about Cleveland again, and Hoyer's did that. So Hoyer needs to stay in. He needs to stay in for the rest of the season. And Manziel, you're coming up just – Bide your time. Don't you don't want to be Gino? So just bide your time, kid. Uh, Hoyer, Hoyer, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, Sorry, but, no, don't but it's true. No, I mean, it's true. No, I, I totally understand. I would give Manzel more time, mm-hmm. kind of a Manzel package a little bit. I know I saw that. Uh, speaking of 
the Jets a little bit. The first time Colin Kaepernick really uh, burst onto the scene was a game when Alex Smith was the starter against the Jets, but then they ran, the 49ers ran a Kaepernick type of package, and it took the Jets by surprise, mm-hmm. and the 49ers incorporated him a little bit more and more, even though Alex Smith was the established starter. If the Browns can do something like that, yeah. um, I believe uh, that will bear fruit. Now, when the 49ers did it, it came out of nowhere that Kaepernick would come in. So it won't necessarily be a huge surprise when Manziel, if and when Manziel comes in for Manziel type of plays, Johnny football plays. Uh, but you look at the stats for Brian Hoyer, he's only thrown one touchdown the past four weeks. Yeah. Compared to six interceptions, somehow the Browns are two and two in that stretch, and they beat the Bengals on a Thursday night. That's one of the they two games. They came back. They came back um, in that game. Yeah, um, uh, they actually were dominant in that game. That was the twenty-four to three. Oh, that was the twenty-four to three Thursday game. Night. Sorry. Yeah. So only one touchdown the last four games. Josh Gordon now coming back into the offense uh, after his suspension. Uh, it hasn't been really clicking between Hoyer and uh, Josh Gordon. Uh, more time. Yeah, one of their probably their best target outside of Josh Gordon. Jordan Cameron's missed the last five games tight end uh, because of concussion symptoms as well. Uh, but I do agree with you. Stick with Brian Hoyer. My leash is shorter. Uh, oh, of course. My leash yeah, is shorter. Yeah, because he's it, it hasn't been great. Um, and, you know, we're down to the wire now. And, you know, they are in the playoff hunt, just like yeah. Buffalo is and Miami. And I mean, there's so many in the playoff hunt in the AFC. So, you know, they all want a shot at that those two crown spot, wild card spots. Absolutely. So, and, yeah, no. and the Browns still have a fairly realistic shot mm-hmm. at the division. They defeated the Cincinnati Bengals. So if the Browns can put together a couple of wins by the time the Bengals come into Cleveland uh, later on in December. You have a possible sweep of Cincinnati and see where uh, the chips may fall uh, if in the event you're able to beat Cincinnati. But of course, they have a pretty tough game on Sunday at home, but against Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts. So that's our take on Brian Hoyer and Johnny Football. And that is our first part of our first down segment uh during that buffalo bills game uh jim kelly uh was there present and uh let the team out and he wore a darrell uh tally number 56 jersey and last week uh stories came out a couple of stories came out from the buffalo news about darrell tally's uh grim uh situation uh in terms of his health and all of the damage that uh, his body has taken because of the game of football and the treatments uh, that he has gotten from uh, the National Football League and even uh, his Buffalo Bills uh, organization that he dedicated, you know, more than t- pretty much 10 years uh, of his life to. And I know that was something that uh, really uh, touched you and you wanted to talk about it uh, a little bit further at length. And that'll be the second part of the first down segment, which will come in just a couple of minutes actually a couple of seconds so this is our first down segment we'll be back for more first down on down and distance on a lot of sports talk we are back with you on down and distance on a lot of sports talk alongside holly culbertson adashina corky here with you and uh, a little 
twist to our show. We're going to continue on first down, so this isn't second down. We will have the uh, second down interview segment uh, very shortly. But uh, last week, uh, the Buffalo News uh, came out with uh, their extensive story about Daryl Talley, the longtime linebacker for the Buffalo Bills, part of the heyday of the Buffalo Bills in the 90s, going to four uh, straight Super Bowls and winning four AFC championships. And the uh, dire you would have to say dire situation uh, that he is in with his health, uh, where just moving is an everyday struggle. Literally, everyday tasks are struggles for Daryl Talley, and we've seen that, uh, a, sadly, a good number of times uh, with former players who um, have been battling uh, with concussion symptoms after uh, playing in the National Football League, and obviously there have been a number of deaths that a lot of people believe have connections to playing long-term in the National Football League. You think of Junior Seau, Dave Dewerson, yes. Mike Webster, and uh, sadly, again, many other uh, people who uh, took their lives yes. uh, because of the toll that the game of football took. And not only is that something that's very sensitive uh, to see that happen, uh of course, with the National Football League and their culpability um, in terms of not taking care of their own and not taking care of the players that have made the National Football League a multi-billion dollar business. And a lot of people have talked um, extensively about what the National Football League and team should do. But obviously, with this Daryl Talley story that came out and reading the details about the struggles of him moving, the struggles of his wife, the struggles to pay for their daughter's college, uh, going to college. And it's, 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 it's definitely something that hits home and you read about it and you see it. But then, and I'm going to bring Holly Culbertson in to uh, talk about it in further detail right now, when it's someone that you grew up with and you watched and you... <laughs> Idolized, maybe. Yeah, I was just going to say, I idolized. idolized. He's one, to he's see one that, of the players I idolized yeah, to, in, in that time yeah, frame. To see that, you know, you see the stories of so many other players, it does hit home. But when it's someone uh, that you grew up with um, and was just part of your life, it must have and does, you know, hit too close to home for it, you. It does. Uh, you know, I've seen um, when I read the story because um, I, I saw it on Facebook randomly because I subscribed to the Buffalo News on Facebook. And I sat down and I started reading the story and by the end of the story, I had tears in my eyes and I'm like, I can't believe they aren't helping him. Why Why isn't the NFL helping him? Why aren't the Buffalo Bills helping him? Um, Daryl Talley, in the 10 years he... Or no, he actually... Well, ten he played in the NFL... Yeah, he played for Buffalo for 10 years. He missed four games. Four um, he played with a broken neck for the majority of the last part of his his tenure with the Buffalo Bills. Um, no one told him he had a broken neck. Um, he had more than one concussion. Um, I, I, I can't remember the exact amount that they said that he had, but he had quite a few concussions. Um, he is going through mental health struggles. Um, there, every day in, in this article, he... He talks about ending his life, and he, he's so distraught. He can't move. He Sitting down in a chair is uncomfortable for him. Laying down in bed is uncomfortable for him. Walking across a room, he can't do it. Um, financially, they're ruined. Um, he applied for retirement with the NFL, and because they didn't get a form in on time, instead of getting $120,000 a year, he gets fifty. 
Um, he had his house has been foreclosed on. He lost his business because of all the injuries and the, the, the physical problems he was having. He is now renting a home in Florida that his fellow Buffalo Bills, Bruce Smith, Cornelius Bennett, and Thurman Thomas are paying for. Bruce Smith is paying for his health insurance for him and his family, um, but the Buffalo Bills have not contributed anything to help him. Um, now, this was under the old regime. There is a new regime, so I'm really calling out to Chuck Pagano to step up and take care of... Terry Bagula. Oh, I'm sorry. Why did yeah. I say Chuck Pagano? <laughs> It, 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 it sounds that? similar. Can we fix that? <laughs> Terry Pagula, oh my God. It's I okay, don't that. worry about it. Freudian slip. Anyway, so yeah, I, I, I'm really hoping that they, you know, step up and, and, and do something for him. Um, he needs help, and he's not the only one that needs help. And the NFL, this is this is bothering me so much. The NFL needs to do more for these players, not just Daryl Talley, but for all of these players. As you said earlier, they're a multi-billion-dollar industry, and Daryl Talley gave you a lot of those billions in the '90s. The whole Buffalo Bills team did, and you give him fifty thousand dollars a year in retirement because of a form. Really? That they did <laughs> say they did get on get in on time. Uh, that instead of the hundred thousand dollars yeah, plus, they, they got, well, the Talleys yeah, say that they did yeah, get they in did, on time. All right, right. but the NFL is saying they didn't. So. didn't. And now you got all this red tape, right, and, and things just all, won't move. And won't move, and nothing's moving. Well, I'm sorry, this man's life is in jeopardy every day. Move, help him. You know, it, it's it's just unfair. And you know, as you said, Junior Seo killed himself, um, and they're con- contributing it to everything, all the concussions, all the you know mental health issues that he had. After playing football, um, we have the kid in Ohio State that just killed himself, um, and they they think the same thing, and they're testing his brain. So it's like something has to be done. Um, I realize now that you know they're very overprotective with concussion stuff that happens in the NFL, and they, they keep them out. And they you know if they've had too many concussions, they force you to retire, and that's good. But they didn't have that in place back then. Um, they didn't have the str- the stringent guidelines now that they have now back then. Daryl Talley played with a broken neck because those trainers and those doctors said he was okay to play. That's wrong. That is my biggest bone to pick. Yeah. With the National Football League and with the doctors yeah. and the trainers that contributed to the culture yeah. of let's get out there, you get out there or you lose your job. Right. Okay, and not really taking care of the person for the next 20, 30 years instead of the next 20, 30 minutes as long as we hold on to our lead and you're there right. uh, uh, contributing to it despite the fact that you in no way, shape or form should be out there running a straight line, let alone running a straight line into someone's chest right. and making the tackle. That's my biggest point to pick. The essential widespread malpractice yeah. of all of these doctors yeah. and trainers in the National Football yeah. League to keep a culture. If, yeah. and like, let me give you a pain pill so you can go play, and that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And, and, what's a, and what is a player going to do when a doctor and a trainer says that to you? They're going to follow suit. Like, you know, rats in the pie piper. Okay, I think you still out play. Yeah. They trusted them. Yeah. They trusted them. And, you know, they trusted the NFL. And these players aren't being taken care of. They're just not. And they need to be. And I think, you know, I've been saying it all year. Roger Goodell needs to resign. There needs to be new to new management in the NFL. There needs to be some accountability 
and there isn't any now. There is no accountability. And I'm sorry, the owners need to step up and make Roger Goodell resign. You, you, it's time to be accountable for your players. Yeah. It, it, now is the time. And, you know, we're seeing more and more stories like Daryl Talley. I mean, of course, Daryl Talley hits home to me because, like you said, I grew up with this guy. He, uh, you know, one of my heroes back in the day, the whole Bruce Smith and Daryl Talley and Biscuit. And, I mean, I love those guys. And, and, and for someone that did not grow up in Buffalo, Rochester, Western yeah. New York, uh, for those that grew up in the 80s and 90s, I saw Daryl Talley in his uh, Spider-Man <laughs> suit. Spider-Man. <laughs> his Spider-Man, Spider-Man. sleeves. Um, he yeah. was just so recognizable. The Bills were a brand, were a national brand because of the winning, because of the great talent. And Daryl Talley was right in the middle mm-hmm. of it. And as I said to you, uh, the widespread malpractice, um, I absolutely abhor. Second of all, you mentioned how uh, the doctors weren't as stringent in taking out players, testing them thoroughly, and making sure that they have the next 20, 30 years of their lives that mm-hmm. they're looking out for instead of the next 20, 30 minutes. I th- it did happen but only with one position, quarterback. Quarterback. Because Steve Young had yeah. many concussions yeah, and got did. out. Troy Aikman got many concussions and got out. And got out. I, I don't want to sound so cynical but they, and say, oh, what if Dallas Talley was a quarterback? Well, you Would know, his situation not yes. be like this? Yeah, no, I think it would be. I, th- I think it would be totally different. I mean, look at, I mean, look at Jim Kelly. Look at Dan Marino. Look at, yeah. you know, any time Jim oh. Kelly got concussions and he was pulled out you know because we had the amazing frank reich but um (laughs) you know you don't see the the quarterback the retired quarterbacks from the nfl from that time period with a lot of the problems you know that even though a lot of those quarterbacks did get a lot of concussions concussions, right but they also you know they were pulled out of games they were you know rested they were the, the defensive players especially were not yeah. And it, they, it, they just weren't. The and defensive players, the offensive linemen. linemen. If you were not a quarterback, because you heard of Steve yeah. Young and oh, his concussion yeah. problems, Troy yeah. Aikman yeah. and his concussion problems, even the guy like Chris Chandler right. and yeah. his concussion yeah. problems. problems. But again, I say I don't want to sound cynical, but I will sound cynical. If Dow Talley was a quarterback, he, he wouldn't be in the position no. he's in. He wouldn't. No. And, and, and that's, that's sad. It's a sad. It's a sad state of affairs. So, you know. NFL, it's time to step up. Buffalo Bills, time to step up. And, you know, for the rest of you, you know, um, when we post this um, broadcast this weekend, um, we'll have a link um, to the fundraising site for Daryl Talley um, so we can help him and his family out and so they can make it through another day. Mm -hmm. Um, They're struggling to buy groceries. Their daughters are, are struggling to go to college. And these are all things that they should have been able to do without question because Daryl Talley was one of the best defensive players in all of football so why can't he do those things he made you billions NFL give it back so there we go and I don't want to have people talk about oh well he made so and so amount of money how come he Mm -hmm. couldn't save it or you know he played in the National Football Mm -hmm. League no you don't understand somebody sacrifice I I mean you know Speaking that you said that, and I, I don't want to go on too long about this, yeah. but there was a comment made about that article, and this woman didn't feel sorry for him. You're like, you made millions, and da da da. Well, football players back then did not make millions, yeah. so let's be clear about a, that. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't mean to jump in. A, they didn't make millions. No. B, remember, you have to talk about the average NFL player who stays in the league for about three years tops, and they're right. not millionaires. No. Okay. So, and Daryl Talley invested his money in a business yeah. that was doing very, very well, and then the recession hit. 
So he lost sales. He had to lay off people. And his business went under like millions of other businesses happen in the reception. So he invested all his money in a business. And his business was thriving for quite a while, and he was doing very well. Um, but his health started deteriorating. The recession happened. It was all these things that catapulted together, and he lost everything. He lost everything. They couldn't even cover medical bills. He is so far in debt because of medical bills. Um, they didn't have insurance. He couldn't go to the doctor. He lives in Florida. You have to have insurance or you're not seen. So, you know, it, it, there's all these things. And in, health insurance is not cheap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just yeah. not cheap. And, you know, I don't understand people not having sympathy for him because he did the right thing. He invested in his future and for his children and his family. And circumstances prevented that from happening. And, and let me be clear. In that article, it'll tell you, when Daryl Talley left the Buffalo Bills, he was making $450,000 a year. That's it. And that's not a lot when you are getting beat up week in and week out. And I'm sorry, $450,000 a year with a broken neck is not Yeah, and those medical expenses that you have have because of of more than 10 years of the National Football League. And the only separation, in my mind... In terms of looking at a family that has gone through these hard times through a recession and a football player is that uniform. Because mm-hmm. if Dal Talley never played football and you heard his story, a lot of the casual, cynical people who don't necessarily like football or think all these football players are pampered will say, oh, you know, I, I actually feel bad. You know, because you did the right thing. You invested. You right. took care of your family, your wife. You had the house. And then the recession hit and your health deteriorated. I feel bad. But if you had played football for seven, eight, nine years and you have that thought process of, oh, you have it made because you're in the National Football League, not thinking about the physical sacrifice you have to take, okay? And B, no, not everybody was making $10, 15000000 million. Like, you just don't understand it. So I don't want to you – know, so many people just see that football uniform and think, oh, you got it made. No. I don't know how – No, you don't. If you think long and hard – about the expenses and the sacrifice you make, and that's any job, okay? That, you know, you can't be sympathetic. How can you not be sympathetic, empathetic? A lot of people can be empathetic, especially with the recession and right. how so many right. families' it, well, lives I mean, were you look at just the, retire- the NFL's retirement plans. Uh, $120,000 a year? That's it? Yeah, really? given everything you have to pay I'm, for. <laughs> I'm going to have a, a bigger pension plan. Then I'm the, when I retire, I will make more a year than Daryl Talley does. And I never jumped on a football. I never broke my neck. I never did all the things that he did every day to make the NFL billions of dollars. And I have a higher pension than he does. That's not fair. It's not no, fair. It's not. Uh, but once again, you did mention, and we will do it. We will have the link uh, yes. to the site where you can donate uh, to Daryl Talley's cause and probably a couple of other links as well to donate yes. uh, to other uh, causes that are akin and similar to um, head, brain injuries. And obviously, uh, the charity you donate to is your choice, obviously. We're not trying to right. gear you or Absolutely. guide you to um, certain charities over another charity. But this is definitely something that, again, uh, did hit close to home to a lot of football fans and to Buffalo Bills fans like yourself was definitely something that uh, you did want to make sure to not only talk about, but to really get your opinions and thoughts out there and to really spur on some action uh, yes. from fans and from the league um, and anyone 
that has any ties to football, no matter what level, uh, for those people to really uh, take a little bit of action or to at least call attention to it a little more. So uh, that officially is the end of our first down segment. We will come back with second down. And our second down segment is going to be with Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer. She is the go-to person for everything Cleveland Browns, and we talk extensively about the Cleveland Browns, Brian Hoyer, Johnny Manziel, the injuries that they've suffered, uh, their chances at making the playoffs, um, and just the feel of the fans in Cleveland, Ohio, that they may have a playoff team for the first time in a decade. So Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer joins us on Second Down. Stay with us. You're listening to Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk. One of the many teams in the AFC and in the AFC North that is 7-5 and five and fighting for a playoff spot is the Cleveland Browns. The Browns dropping to 7-5 and five after a 26-10 to 10 loss last week in Buffalo against the Buffalo Bills. And the biggest takeaway for a lot of football fans uh, watching that game and watching the highlights, Johnny Manziel uh, replacing an injured, excuse me, ineffective uh, Brian Hoyer in the second half in the game against the Buffalo Bills. But the Browns still having a really good season, 7-5, and five, and looking for their first playoff appearance since the end of the 2000s. And two season and joining us on second down on down and distance to talk more Cleveland Browns is the go-to person when wanting to talk about the Cleveland Browns Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer joining us and first of all uh, Mary Kay thank you so much for joining us and uh, after the first four or five games where the Browns were cardiac kids 2.0 I, I believe the last few games have been pretty boring compared to the beginning of the season uh, have you had to put away your heart monitor uh, and put it away for safekeeping until the Browns once again uh, have these late game comebacks oh yeah you, you just uh, you never really know what's going to happen um, but um, you know one week they're they're giving you a heart attack like you said and the next week you're wondering where their offense is so we're hoping to, to find it again this weekend on the lakefront against Andrew Luck and those Indianapolis Colts. And I know that Brian Hoyer is absolutely determined to bounce back from a bad game last week. Uh, Mike Pettin came out on Wednesday and uh, said that Brian Hoyer is the starter going into that game against the Indianapolis Colts. In your opinion, how much did Coach Pettin really ponder and agonize over this decision, or did you have a feeling that even on the Sunday after the game and on Monday uh, that he had a feeling that it was going to be Brian that was going to start at least uh, this week against Indianapolis? I think on Monday he really didn't know, and I do think he agonized over the decision, and I do think he grappled with it. And I believe that he spent a lot of time talking to his trusted advisors in making this decision. And in the end, I think they were just a little worried about turning it over to a rookie when they're in the middle of a playoff hunt. Uh, they are really in the thick of it. They need to win every game. And they went with experience over inexperience. Uh, how short is that leash now for Brian Hoyer? Oh, you know what? I, I think that, um, I, I wouldn't say it's too short. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, he has to demonstrate that, that he can play well. Uh, you know what, it, it's hard to say. It, it really is hard to say. I do think that um, they will go to Johnny the minute they're eliminated from any playoff contention. You'll see Johnny in there. 
Uh, but until that time, I think they'll probably stick with Bryant. Once again, Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer joining us. And, uh, of course, the, a couple of weeks ago, Josh Gordon coming back to the fold after his uh, season-long uh, suspension was uh, commuted. And uh, a lot's been made about Brian or Brian Hoyer pretty much, I guess, forcing a lot of targets to Josh Gordon. Uh, is that one of the main reasons in the past three, four weeks where Brian Hoyer has only had one touchdown, six interceptions? Is he trying to force too much to Josh Gordon? Or are there, I guess, other reasons why you think uh, Brian's been struggling recently? Well, there are other reasons because this started really three games ago and Josh has only been back for two games. I do think, however, that they have uh, gone to the well a little bit too much with Josh and thinking that he was going to be up to speed a little bit more than he was. He admitted yesterday the first game he didn't know he was running the wrong routes. Uh, Right now, he doesn't know the terminology very well, so he's relying on his just sheer talent. I mean, he can just go out there and catch the football. So they need to keep things simple for him. Uh, and make sure that he's not thinking too much and just let him uh, go run a few go routes and, and you know, just try to, to get a little bit of confidence back going. So, uh, yeah, I think part of it is that the two, those two guys are not on the same page. They're working very, very hard uh, to get back on the same page like they were last year. And uh, I think he'll have a better game this week. Uh, how big is the fact that Josh is still pretty much almost in preseason mode? And you mentioned the terminology that he's still getting used to because this is a new offense with Coach Petten and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, any concerns that Josh may not get up to speed by the time the season's over? Well, you know what? Each week he'll get a little bit better, and he will contribute. And when we're talking about uh, Josh not being up to speed, we're still talking about seven and eight catches in a football game. The first game back, eight catches, 120 yards. So it's funny when we talk about Josh, you know, not doing well and still, you know, averaging seven and a half catches per game, which is more than he even did last year. So uh, I, I do think that, that he'll be fine and they'll, they'll work with it. You know, they'll make the best of it and uh, he'll come up with big plays when they need him. And I think some of those will happen this weekend. And I predict he'll get his first touchdown this weekend. Ah, we got a prediction here for Mary Kay. He will get his first touchdown against Indianapolis. Uh, We will track that. You know that, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, How... Uh, a lot's been made about Josh Gordon coming back. Jordan Cameron uh, has not played in the past, I believe, five weeks because of uh, concussion symptoms that he's been suffering. Is Jordan Cameron's comeback, if and when he does come back, even more integral uh, to the Browns' offense getting going once again um, than Josh Gordon's return? Well, you know what? It's really been unfortunate that they've been without Jordan Cameron this most of this season. Uh Five straight games with that concussion, as you said. And last year he had such a beautiful season. The Pro Bowl year, 80 catches, seven touchdowns. He was a huge part of the offense. And it's very, very unfortunate. He's in a contract year. And now who knows if he'll even be back after this. And um, and that would be sad. He's a great uh, teammate. He's, he's a really great player. And it just hasn't gone his way this year. So, uh, you know, here's hoping he can get back on the field as soon as possible. Don't know if it'll be this weekend. I'll know more about that uh, late Friday afternoon when the injury report comes out. But he's been limited most of the week. 
So, you know, I'm thinking that he might need at least another week. Once again, Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer joining us. Uh, How, I guess, concerned uh, are the Browns with the running game, which had done so well at the beginning of the season, but Ben Tate was waived. Uh, Terrence West um, had another fumble where he lost it, and it was returned for a touchdown by the uh, Buffalo Bills. I believe uh, the Browns are averaging three and a half, three point six 3.6 yards per carry on the season. How big of a concern now is the run game? Well, when teams have been able to take that run game away, that's when they really struggle because it kind of takes away their play action, and it really makes their scheme sort of ineffective. So uh, that's what teams have been really trying to do, and then daring, because Brian's not accurate, They've been daring Brian to beat him with his arm. Uh, And I've been thinking that, you know what, as long as Josh is out there, that'll make the difference. But uh, first of all, like we said, they've they've got to be able to connect uh, for it to make that difference. So um, I think that Isaiah Crowell will come out very determined to run the ball this week. And um, Glenn Winston might even get a chance this week. So watch for that. We talked to him. I asked him yesterday what to expect, and he said he's ready to unchain the beast. Mm. And who is this uh, running back you mentioned? Uh, this is another rookie running back that they have by the name of Glenn Winston. He hasn't had a chance to play on offense yet. He's only played on special teams, but uh, he's, he's really excited to get out there and, and see what he can do. Uh, have the Browns felt the effect of Alex Mack not being at center? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you just cannot replace an Alex Mack. Uh, and Nick McDonald has tried to do it, but... Uh, it's to the point where they're not even sure that they're going to play Nick McDonald this week. Uh, they might try out a brand-new center by the name of Ryan Seymour. So, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to lose a Pro Bowl center. Not as the only the Pro Bowl center, but a lot of people think he's the best center in the NFL. And um, it's, it's been a tough, tough flooding with him gone. Once again, Mary Kay Cabot of the Cleveland Plain Dealer joining us on second down on down and distance. The defense for the Cleveland Browns has been pretty unheralded. If, I, if I'm correct, I believe the Browns lead the NFL uh, in interceptions. Uh, Tashawn Gibson hasn't, been, hasn't played, I believe, in the past uh, few weeks. So can you just point out a couple of players that have really, um, I guess maybe outside of Joe Hayden, uh, that have really stood out on defense, that has made the Browns' defense such that they have kept the Browns' offense in games when the Browns' offense hasn't done so well? Well, again, like you said, Joe Hayden has been playing lights out. A lot of other guys have made tremendous contributions. They should be getting Carlos Dansby back this week. He's had a really nice season. Uh, Paul Kruger has gotten really good pressure all year long. Barkevious Mingo has actually been really coming around and doing a nice job for them. Uh, so, uh, you know, a lot of guys that have, have come up big. Kwan Williams has really saved them in the defensive secondary there with uh, being able to, to come in there and lock down that nickel job. Uh, he's made a lot of nice plays. Uh, Buster has made some plays. So uh, everybody's pitching in. The next two games, the Colts, the Bengals at home. Are the Browns thinking playoff spot or are the Browns thinking division, even though they're a game and a half out but do have that win on the road against Cincinnati in their pocket? Well, you know what? They're thinking win the division, you know. That's what they, that's what they hope to do. They hope to win out and win the division. And uh, not and and control their own destiny, and and make this thing happen. And that's that's the singular focus in that locker room. And you know what? With the way things are going in the division, 
you know, it's it's not that crazy to think that this could happen. I mean, I wasn't impressed with Andy Dalton, of course, at all in that past game. I wasn't impressed with him last year against the Browns. And in his past game, he threw three interceptions. So they're kind of winning, uh, even though he's been very erratic this season. And uh, they have some really tough games coming up the Bengals do. Everyone that they play the rest of the way has at least seven victories. So they've got no little cakewalks left. And... Um, you're not, I think it's just going to come right down to the wire. Uh, all of those teams in the uh, AFC North have really big games. The Steelers and Bengals are playing themselves. Uh, the Ravens have the Miami Dolphins as well. And, of course, the Cleveland Browns on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts. And we thank Mary Kay Cabot so very much for joining us to talk about all things Cleveland Browns uh, on second down on down and distance. Mary Kay, thank you so very much for the time. And once again, uh, we're going to track the Josh Gordon. will score a touchdown this week, and hopefully your heart monitor is in a safe place that you can bring it out if in the event. I think it's close between the Colts and the uh, Browns. Mary Kay, thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you. And we're back with you on Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk, and we're getting ready to talk about Week 14 in the National Football League, the first games in the month of December, the final month of the NFL season. And the first game in December involves a team in which recent history says and shows that December is not really nice to. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys in Soldier Field on a Thursday night to take on the Chicago Bears. Dallas is 8-4. and four, Chicago 5-7. and seven. And after that loss to the Detroit Lions, uh, Chicago's playoff hopes are pretty much done and dusted. The Dallas Cowboys are, for the first time in a long time, not in first place in the NFC East. They are 9 and eight and four, excuse me. The Eagles are nine and three. And I'll ask you, Holly Culbertson, really quickly: if the playoffs started today, from one through six, what's the Cowboys' seed? One through we're oh Dallas. Yeah, if the playoffs start today, one, two, three, four, five, six. Aren't they? Si- I think they're six, aren't they? Trick question. They're seventh. They really? wouldn't even make the playoffs if the playoffs started today, wow. because Seattle. I yeah, were, I th- the Eagles are in first place, uh, nine you know, and three. Know. So they they're not going to be in the top four. Well, right. Seattle's uh, eight and four. Yep, that's Detroit's true. eight and four, and yeah. Dallas is eight and four. Yeah. And yes, Dallas beat Seattle, but in a three-way tie, Hi. Dallas as of right now is on the outside looking that's in. So right. I don't think a lot of people even know that if the playoffs started today, there would be no Cowboys, even though at eight and four. But they have a chance to go to 9-4 and four mm-hmm. and defeat the Chicago Bears. First game in the month of December. Will December be once again a month to not remember for the Dallas Cowboys, at least to begin this December? Or can they go to Soldier Field and beat a Chicago Bears team pretty much playing for pride? Um, I think they're going to win this week. I they, think, yeah, yeah, I'm picking Dallas. Dallas okay. I am picking Dallas um, as much as... They do joke this time of year. <laughs> um, Chicago's gave up. Has given up. Chicago gave up a few weeks ago, but um, they're just not clicking. They're just. There's just not. That's another team. Time to clean house. Um, <laughs> they just clean house. I well, they got to do it again. <laughs> um, time to do it again. Um, so yeah, I got Dallas on this game. I think uh, their their beating last week is going to piss them off a little bit. I mean, they have all the tools to win on that team, and. Run the ball. 
Yeah. And you're going to win the game. So, um, and they'll do that. And they are going to run the ball this week. So, um, yeah, I got Dallas. It's almost a tease for the Dallas Cowboys. They're number three in the league in rushing 145 yards a game. DeMarco Murray's still close to, I believe, on pace to on pace. have a 2,000-yard season or close to it. Um, but at the same time, the Chicago Bears have a really wretched pass defense. And I almost am convincing myself that the Cowboys, again, are going to go away from the run because they're facing a team that's so bad against the pass in the Chicago Bears. And if they do that, then I think they will leave themselves open to the upset if a non-healthy Tony Romo uh, makes a couple of mistakes, even though he hasn't done too much of that this season. No, he hasn't. Um, I will agree with you uh, that the Dallas Cowboys will win on Thursday night. Uh, But... They'll make it interesting. They'll make it interesting. I agree with you. Uh, I mean, if they go with the pass, they could they could screw this game up. But just Dallas, yeah, go with the run. They will make it yeah. interesting. Yeah. And uh, hopefully, well, for Dallas's sake, they don't look ahead to next week. It'll be another matchup with the Eagles this time in Philadelphia. After that, it's the Colts, and then to end the season uh, with Washington at FedEx Field. So the next two games after Chicago are really tough games. Have to go to Philly. Home against uh, Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts. It's be a tough game. So if the Cowboys don't pull this game out, they're done. Eight and five, and they're you done. have the Eagles next. They're done. And then the Colts. Yeah, if they don't win today, yeah. I, 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 their season's over. Yeah, um, but be tough. I, I think they're going to win. I, I do. I do too. So we have Dallas beating Chicago, and that, uh, that's the Thursday night game. Now we go to the Sunday afternoon games, and the next three games we are going to talk about all involved teams in the uber-competitive AFC North. We're going to start with the leaders of the AFC North, the Cincinnati Bengals at 8-3-1. and one. They will take on the Pittsburgh Steelers at 7-5. and five. Cincinnati, not necessarily an impressive win last week in Tampa against the Buccaneers, where they uh, used a challenge that technically wasn't supposed to be granted, granted yeah. <laughs> to get a 12 men on the field penalty yeah. call on Tampa when Tampa drove into field goal that range. Was- for a chance to that win. was it just was, baffling. It was baffling. It was but baffling. then when you saw the replay and you saw twelve oh, men there on were. the field for the Bucks, yeah. what else was Marvin Lewis this really going to do? Yeah, uh, he had to risk uh, a possible penalty or timeout charge. That's timeout the rule. Charge, yeah, um, to do that. Uh, but they did that, and uh, the Bengals did win that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Even though the score looks as if it was a really competitive game, the New Orleans Saints really took it to mm-hmm. the Pittsburgh Steelers at Heinz Field, 35-32. So now you have the Steelers at 7-5. and five. You really don't know where they are from one week to the next. You, you can almost say that about the whole division. You know yeah, where the Bengals true. are going to be that's true. from that one whole week division, to the next. You just don't know where is going to show up. Browns. So which team shows up well in Cincinnati between the Bengals and the Pittsburgh Steelers? Steelers. On the road. On the road. Over Cincinnati. Wow. Yeah. After their mm-hmm. loss to mm-hmm. the Saints. So you're mm-hmm. saying that the Steelers team that we saw like three or four weeks ago back. when Roethlisberger was throwing yeah. touchdowns for fun comes yeah. back in Cincinnati. I, I, I do. I think, he, I, you know, they're fired up after the loss. Um, they know what's at stake. And if it's one thing with the Pittsburgh Steelers, when their their butts are on the line, Roethlisberger just kind of shows up, um, and they know it. So I, I think I, I'm going with Pittsburgh. I just have I have a good feeling on this one. Yeah, I, I'm going with Pittsburgh on this. You know, I like that pick because 
after the Saints loss, I'm sure a lot of people jump off that Pittsburgh Steelers bandwagon and may think that the Steelers from here on in won't necessarily make a really strong charge uh, towards the end of the season, especially no, with, um, I disagree with that. the uh, schedule that they have. And I know, I know you disagree with that uh, uh, train of thinking and thought. Um, as I said, to you before the Cincinnati Bengals, even though you don't really know where they're coming from, one thing you do know is that they play very well at home. They do. They play very well at home. They have played the Steelers very well. A lot of people talk about the Ravens playing the Steelers uh, the past few years and that rivalry. I think it's a yeah. bigger one with Cincinnati it's, and Pittsburgh. Uh, it's bigger with Baltimore, I think. Um, in terms of in terms of the animosity, oh, the animosity, yes, definitely Baltimore, Pittsburgh, but it's, but Cincinnati's had a fair amount of success against the Steelers in the past four or five years, at least in the Andy Dalton era, even before that, going to Carson Palmer. Um, the Bengals have a really, really good chance to put a stranglehold on this division if they win this game, mm-hmm. and the Ravens lose against the Dolphins, which is possible. And the Browns lose against the Colts, which is possible. If those results happen, then the Bengals, with three games to go, only need one win to win the division. Yeah. And I do think the Bengals get one step closer and win at home against uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I do agree with you that I don't think the Steelers will play bad. Right, I don't. I, not at all. Mike Tom, you mentioned the Steelers are fired up. Mike Tomlin in his post game press conference was very fired up. When is he not? Well, he, he was really, really fired up. Yeah, uh, trying to figure out what in the world happened to his team in New Orleans, where they essentially did not show up. No, um, and the Saints did to their credit. Uh, but I do have the Cincinnati Bengals winning this game. I have more faith in the Red Rifle Andy Dalton than I'm sure a lot of people uh, have faith in Andy Dalton. Um, so I'm going to take the uh, Cincinnati Bengals on this one. You take Pittsburgh. Our first. Dis- agreement um that's what we love to see uh but no we love to see agreement as well yeah. all right so um our next afc north team that we're going to talk about the seven and five baltimore ravens coming off a tough loss 34 33 against the san diego chargers a, game, a great game great game what chargers a great game conti- uh pretty much we're on the back foot all game long yeah, at the were. very end squeaked it out them at the very end got help with a pass interference call uh which got him into like the two one yard line then mm-hmm. the chargers scored late in the ball game the miami dolphins came off a really unimpressive terrible performance but still a win and a win <laughs> against the new york jets on monday night dolphins Darn are it. seven and five <laughs> yes. i was rooting for your jets monday night <laughs> i'll have to admit i wasn't i, I, I had no I, interest i, well, <laughs> I didn't watch the game i didn't really fan. watch the game um I went to bed because no, no. I wasn't feeling well, but I was like, kept checking yeah, no, the watching, score. Watching the Jets and Dolphins will make you not feel well. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that but I was still kind of, well, wow. I looked at the score like, whoa, Jets are winning. Jets okay, are winning. good. Go, Jets. They had it. The Dolphins uh, oh, got a block punt. Yeah, um, I know. I saw able, the highlights. Able to uh, squeak away with that victory. It may be more impressive that the Dolphins played so terrible on the road, and the Dolphins are not a good road team, and able to squeak that out. So uh, that may say more to the uh, Miami Dolphins and their resolve that they cannot play well but win. So we have the so we have the seven and five Ravens who played fairly well mm-hmm. in a loss, and then you have the seven and five Dolphins who played bad in a win, facing each other in Miami. Who's going to go to eight and five, and which team is going to be seven and six and be in real trouble? Baltimore is winning the game. It's going to be a tough game. Um, I think Miami's defense is a little bit underrated. 
because Miami's defense is really good. Really good. Very um, underrated. Very underrated, and they're really good at home. Um, but I do think Baltimore will squeak this one out. I think it's going to be a close game. I think it's going to go down to a field goal. Um, I think you're going to see Miami playing better this week because they're home. They, yep. they're very hard to beat at home, um, as I've found out. Um, <laughs> but I, I think um, Baltimore Baltimore wins the defense the, the defensive side of this game, so they win. You mentioned how the Miami Dolphins' defense is underrated and really good. Uh, three of the top nine defenses in the National Football League reside in the AFC East. The Bills are fifth in total yards per game allowed. Woo-hoo! Bills are fifth. Dolphins are sixth. Mm-hmm. Jets are seventh. New York mm-hmm. Jets are seventh. And they have the New England Patriots, and a lot of people talked about the Patriots defense doing well, at least recently. They're 19th. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they did do well the past few weeks, but then last week they ran to Aaron Rodgers. What are you going to do when you yeah. run into the player that's going to be the MVP of the league? And um, the... F- future Super Bowl champions. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay. Just a little bit. We'll I'm hey, getting ahead of myself. Yes, um, yes. Uh, for those that couldn't wait until our Super Bowl show, um, you just um, helped out with uh, the fans that wanted to listen to the Super Bowl show and listen to your Super Bowl pick. Uh, but in this game, uh, I will take Miami. Um, they do well at home. As I mentioned, uh, you have... Outside of playing and losing to Kansas City at home, where Kansas City was the much better team, the Dolphins have played well at home. You mentioned the game on a Thursday night where they beat the Bills. Uh, the game against the Packers where they could have won easily but had the fake spike play uh, beat them at the very end of the game. Ryan Tannehill is having a really good season for Miami. The, Dol- the Dolphins' defense, as you mentioned, very stout. Mm-hmm. Uh, seventh, excuse me, sixth in the National Football League in total defense. Brent Grimes is a Pro Bowl cornerback that a lot of people should talk about a little bit more. The secondary has done really well. Uh, Cameron Wake is an underrated pass rusher. Uh, it's a tough game. I'm not going to necessarily just sit here and say, oh, yeah, I got Miami. It's no, not going to be a question. I, well, that's what me picking yeah. Baltimore. It's like, <gasps> yeah, it's tough. It's a, this is it's a tough, tough game. It's a tough game. Tough. I think I'm more leaning toward Baltimore. I'm like my own yeah. personal bias. I, Miami yeah. sh- can't win. Um, <laughs> yes, so. yes, for your own. My personal own personal bias. bias Miami girls, can't win. Miami can't yeah. win. So hopefully, for your sake, I'm wrong. Uh, you have we'll the Ravens, and I have the uh, Miami Dolphins. The other AFC North team, the final AFC North team, we're going to talk about, and we talked about them at length a little bit on a couple of downs before in this show. The Cleveland Browns at seven and five, back at home, they are taking on the eight and four Indianapolis Colts. Andrew Luck's on a roll. Indianapolis is eight and four. They can clinch a playoff spot this week if they win. And the Houston Texans lose Lose. to Jacksonville. And, hey, Jacksonville came back from 21-0 down to beat the Giants last week, so you never know. Um, I don't think that's going to happen this week. Well, well, I didn't think (laughs) the Giants were going to blow a 21-0 lead to Jacksonville. Yes, I can believe that with the Giants. Sorry, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can believe that. Um, This year. Yeah, this year. Uh, So, Indianapolis on the road against Cleveland. Cleveland... Really needs this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone needs all these games in the AFC. The Colts are a little bit in better shape. Well, they're in a lot better shape because they're eight and four. They have a two-game lead in the AFC South with four games to go. Do the Colts continue on, or do the Cleveland Browns rebound from the no-show in the second half against the Buffalo Bills and come away with another big victory in Cleveland? They do not. 
I, I think you're going to see Hoyer benched again. Um, yeah, I, Indi- I got Indy on this one. I think they're going to pretty much handle this game right on out. Yeah. Um, if Brian Hoyer gets benched again, if your uh, prediction is correct that Brian Hoyer gets benched, how in the world could you go back to Brian Hoyer the week after? Yeah, that's the big question. I mean, we'll, well, I mean, we'll see how bad he plays. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, he could play well and still lose the game, you yeah. know. So well, I guess that'll that'll. But I don't think they're going to win. I don't think Hoyer's got what it takes to beat Indy. Um, Indy's a good team, mm-hmm. and it's hard to. And they're hard to beat. They're, they're just a hard team to beat, and they. I, I think Cleveland is. You know, Brian's a little shaky right now. Do I think he, he's capable of beating him? Yeah, he is, but I, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. <sighs> Not this week. Not this week. Not this week. Uh, and he is a really good team, as you mentioned. And the Cleveland Browns have not played well recently, two and two in the last four, and mm-hmm. Hoyer has not played well at all. Uh, but this is not the first time that Brian Hoyer has had to answer questions about his mm-hmm. job security, and when that has happened, he has come through in those situations. And Cleveland at 7-5, and five, needing this win. They're in that race in the AFC North where three teams are 7-5. and five. They have a win against the Steelers. They have a win against the Cincinnati Bengals as well. Maybe I've been uh, hallucinating a lot over the past couple of days. But uh, I am going to take Cleveland. I am going to take Cleveland. If Cleveland were to win this game, I would believe that they would have to win a shootout, which I don't think... The Browns can win a shootout against Andrew no. Luck, but I do think the Cleveland Brown defense does show up. Um, that I can kind of agree. At with. home, they are. I don't think Andy's going to blow them out. No, I don't think uh, so. they have the capability to block. Oh yeah, they offense. do. Um, but I think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think Cleveland's defense will step up. I don't think yeah, it's going to be a blowout. And I and I do think uh, I do think Brian Hoyer answers his naysayers and critics again. And somehow, some way, like in the very beginning of the year when the Cleveland Browns were winning games and you didn't necessarily know how they were doing it, but they eked out victories at the very end, I, I can see this happen again. I, I, I see the Cleveland Browns being alive for a playoff spot and really alive, not just hanging by the uh, skin of their fingernails. Uh, like my team. That, well, <laughs> we are. Well, let's be real. Well, they are seven and five as well. So I'll take the seven and five Browns. We'll talk. You talk. You take the Colts. We'll talk about another mm. seven and five AFC team in the four o'clock games. The Buffalo Bills. They've won. A, they've won two straight games. They defeated the Jets. Actually, it's one o'clock. That's Buff- a, no, Buff- Buffalo and Denver is a four o'clock game. It's in oh, Denver. Oh, is it really? It's in Denver. Oh, that's right. It's four o'clock. Right. Four o'clock game. Okay. Buffalo. If it was a one o'clock yeah, game, it would be eleven a.m. Yeah, in, yeah. Uh, yeah, was, in yeah. Denver. I forgot it wasn't at home. Yeah, it's in uh, it's in Denver. Buffalo and Denver. <laughs> Buffalo seven and five. The Broncos can mm. also clinch a playoff spot this week. They are nine and three. The Bills coming off two good wins against the Jets and against the Cleveland Browns. So this is their third game. In a third different state for the Buffalo Bills, the Denver Broncos, after a little bit of uncertainty, put some of those uncertainties to bed last week in Kansas City, defeating the Chiefs 29-16. So we have a Bills team that also is fighting for their playoff lives and have a pretty decent record at 7-5. and You have the Broncos at 9-3, and looking to essentially wrap up a playoff spot and maybe put a stranglehold on the AFC West if the Chargers were to lose or talk about them against the Patriots, and if the Chiefs were to lose against the Cardinals, we'll talk about that game as well. So the Bills and the Broncos, 7-5, and 9-3, and 
Go, Bills fan. Well, of course, I'm picking my Bills. Um, I'm going with the Bills. Of course, I'm going with the Bills. Um, I won't ever go against my Bills. But I, this is how I see this. Is, no, I mean, realistically, okay, Denver's probably going to win this game. But I, I, Realistically. But I'm picking my Bills as the upset for the week because it would be the upset of the week if the Bills did beat Denver. So that's my upset of the week pick. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what I do see happening in this game, win or lose for the Buffalo. The Buffalo... Bill's defense is going after Peyton Manning, and there's gonna and I don't know if Peyton's offensive line is ready for the Bills front four. Um, they're the some of the best in the NFL, and you know they're very good. And the Bills defense has kept us in every single game that we've won, especially the last two. I mean, we underperformed um, in the first half last last week, and the Bills defense kept us in it. I mean, Cleveland could have creamed us and you know our defense kept us in the game um you know defense isn't going to get us to the playoffs but it's we have a good, better shot because of our defense so i pick the bills because our defense keep us in games and i i, I think peyton manning's gonna see the ground a little bit this week so that's my pick okay and i know uh, you disagree with us okay one. everybody's gonna disagree okay. with me on this yeah. <laughs> the, the last time i had this itch this itch. The last time I had this itch. Okay, oh, just on Buffalo actually does play okay on the road. Buffalo, oh, 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 they, have, they haven't been too bad. No, they're, no, they're not. They're not bad on the road. They defeated the Jets. They defeated oh, yeah. the Lions mm-hmm. on the road um, as well. So you're absolutely right that the Bills are not a team to uh, take lightly uh, mm-hmm. when they wear the white uniforms. Um, the last time I had this itch about a game was the San Diego Miami game when my mind told me pick San Diego. But I had this itch, and I said, no, I'm going to pick Miami. Yeah. And Miami did come through and shut out San Diego 37 to nothing. Yes, they did. Because ha- I picked San Diego. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm having this itch again <laughs> with this game. Because I'm thinking about the game two weeks ago or three weeks ago with Denver and St. Louis. And Ooh. St. Louis has a staunch defensive line. Mm-hmm. And they dominated Denver's defensive line, offensive line. Yeah, they did. And essentially took away whatever Denver wanted to do. The Bills' defensive front can absolutely positively do the same. And the Broncos' offensive line has been makeshift all season long. Different players have had to play in different positions all season long. (sighs) Again, my mind just says pick Denver. But this itch is telling me the Buffalo Bills' front four is going to dominate in the trenches in the line of scrimmage. If they do that, they can win. They they definitely can win. And because you pick Buffalo, and I necessarily wouldn't be penalized if in the event that I pick Buffalo with you and we both <laughs> lost. Yeah. I'm gonna do go. it. You're gonna go with Buff? Yes. I'm gonna pick Buffalo. And it's not because you know, I won't lose. Well, and I on said you. no. I mean, it's not even that. It's like I said, their defense has kept them alive. Yeah. I mean, it really has. And you know, if our defense does what they have been doing to quarterbacks, especially the last couple of games, I mean, they yeah. really—they've been playing well all year. But the last two games, they just, the Buffalo's defense has just been on fire. If they can do that and even score some defensive touchdowns, yes, they've got this game. They do. They've um, got it. I mean, they, they have a great chance at it. Or a great chance at it. a great at chance it, yeah. at yeah. it. Um, 
it also the Denver Broncos run game has actually picked up the past couple of it games has. with CJ Anderson. Yes. The Bills have to stop that. If the if Denver can establish the run against the Bills, then I don't think that's, I don't think the Bills can pull off the upset. If they can stop Anderson or whomever is running for the Broncos and can get after Peyton Manning with just four guys, maybe five guys on a blitz, if they can continue to harass Peyton Manning, make him not throw while he's set, make him throw while essentially he's moving, I think the Bills have a great chance. I mean, a great chance. Not just, oh, you know, they can keep it close. All right, no, a great chance at it. And and I, I really like the vibe that the Bills are giving off the past few weeks. You know, we have, you know, we have, you know, the snowstorm and having to leave. And, you know, you, you, you know there was uh, Chris Hogan walking from his house, you know, in the snow. Okay. And uh, playing in Detroit. Uh, everything with Dallas Howley that came out. Um, going back to benching E.J. Manuel and Cal Orton. There was not necessarily positive vibes at the beginning, but it's worked. I they believe in each other. Yeah, they believe. They do. And, they believe. And, and, that car- and, and that carries a lot of weight. It does. Even when you go against a team that you shouldn't beat. Right. And I'm going to take Buffalo as well. So we both have the upset of the week, Buffalo over Denver. Now we're going to talk about another AFC West team, the Kansas City Chiefs, coming off a loss to the Denver Broncos last week at home. They're 7-5 and five and taking on a little bit of water. Speaking of taking on a little bit of water, the Arizona Cardinals are taking on a little bit of water. They've lost two straight. They're now 9-3. Mm-hmm. They lost to the Atlanta Falcons. Weren't really competitive in that game against the Atlanta Falcons. And no team in NFL history has blown a three-game division lead with six games to go. With six games to go, the Arizona Cardinals were 9-1 and one and ahead of the 6-4 and four Seahawks and 6-4 and four Niners. Three-game lead, six games to go. The lead's down to one because mm-hmm. Arizona's 9-3, and three, Seattle's 8-4. and four. Can the Cardinals right the ship against another team that is not playing so well in the past couple of weeks, Kansas City? Kansas City, Arizona. In Arizona. Arizona. I think they right the ship this yeah. week. I think the same as well because Kansas City just cannot threaten down the field. No. Um, you know, they have a good tight end, Travis Kelsey. They have Jamal Charles in the backfield and yeah, whom they... you saw against the Bills. <laughs> oh, I saw Charles. <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, but He's amazing. Yeah. And, amazing player. Yes, and we, and we talked with Mitch Holtis, the Kansas City Chiefs yep. uh, play-by-play guy, who talked about how non-wide receivers – make wide receiver plays like Jamal Charles and the Travis Kelsey. But sooner or later, you got to throw for more than 200 yards a game. The, the Chiefs, on average, do not throw for 200 right. yards a game. You have to, and you're going to have to against Arizona to win. You're going to have to against Arizona, yep. especially with Tyran Matthew yep. out uh, well, with an injury. So, And Patrick Peterson, the past couple of games, has been struggling, even though one of the games he went up against Julio Jones. You know, it happens. Uh, but I do believe Arizona wins as well. They get to 10-3. and three, And even though I'm looking ahead, I do think Arizona holds on and wins that division. I agree. Um, even though they're only up by it's, one. I know. I go. still think they're going to hold yeah. on. So we both have Arizona over Kansas City. Now, again, which bird of prey is your preference? The Seattle Seahawks at 8-4 and four going on the road to Lincoln Financial Field to take on the NFC East leading 9-3 and three Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, I know there's the Patriots and Chargers game on Sunday night. That might be the game of the week, but... Probably the game of the week in the NFC, if not the NFL, is Seattle and Philadelphia, two teams that are playing very well uh, right now. Seattle off the Thanksgiving win against San Francisco on the road. Philadelphia off the Thanksgiving win against Dallas 
on the road. Seattle, Philly. Who wins? This is tough because tough. Um, playing in Philly is almost like playing in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the stadium and the in vibe. Its, in its, it's own way. It's, yeah. In its own way. It's a different type of vibe in Philly, but it, it's tough to win in that stadium. Um, but I'm going with Seattle. Um, Seattle's hot right now. They're back. They're back. I've watched them play the last couple of games. They're back in full force. Um, while I'm very impressed with Philadelphia's play lately, I think Seattle's defense is going to manhandle <laughs> Sanchez. So th- they're back. They win. Uh, Seattle has done a much better job the past few weeks in getting after the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And if you can get after the quarterback and make the quarterback throw when he's not ready to into that secondary with Richard Sherman, Earl Thomas, Byron Maxwell. Well, we know how Sanchez plays when that happens to him. Sorry, again, but we've all seen (laughs) it. But at the same time, we've also seen Mark Sanchez win four playoff games. Yeah, that's true. No, this is true, too. No, don't get me wrong. Sanchez is is held his own, but I just don't think it's going to be enough this week. Yeah, I agree with you. It's a very tough game to predict, and... The reason I'm going to pick the team I'm going to pick is what you mentioned at the very top of talking about this, the home field advantage uh, that Philadelphia has, which is akin to Seattle in a way in terms of the vibe and atmosphere, not necessarily the decibel level no, of noise. No, not the noise. Uh, it's just but the vibe it's, of this, yeah, it's, the place. And I think... I mean, Philly's played well at home. I don't think yeah. I can't think of a game where Philly has not played well at home. Maybe the beginning of the season when uh, Jacksonville led seventeen to nothing, yeah. and Philly had to come back and win that game. That was probably the only game that I can think of that Philly did not play well at home, and still came away with the victory. Um, I'm a believer more than in Mark Sanchez. I'm a believer in Chip Kelly and what he does, and how he can game plan. If you give him a week and you give him Seattle's defense or whomever's defense, he can game plan against it and do very well. I think Chip Kelly, um, as much as he came into the league as somewhat of maybe a gimmick coach, I don't think he gets enough credit for the X's and O's uh, acumen that he has. I agree. And um, I do believe that uh, Philadelphia Mm. at home somehow gets it done. Their defense is improving as well. Connor Barwin is playing at a Pro Bowl level, the defensive end linebacker hybrid for Philadelphia. I do think Philly, I don't disagree with you at all that Seattle, not disagree, but I absolutely can see how Seattle can win. Obviously. Oh, yeah, obviously. But I, I, I think it's going to be a close game, I, too. I, I think it's more justified in explaining how Seattle's going to win than Philadelphia. I right. think it's more justified. Right. But, um, we'll see. Yeah, I've, we'll I've, see I've, what happens. Yeah, but I've never uh, subscribed to con- conventional wisdom too many times. So I'm going to go with Philadelphia on this one. And our final game, our third down and eight, on Sunday night in Mission Valley, San Diego. Uh, you have been in San Diego before. I've been, I've been, yeah. I've been in Qualcomm. It's <laughs> yeah. a great stadium. Uh, you've been in that city, been in that stadium, San Diego, California. The San Diego Chargers, big win, going to 8-4 and four and not getting caught up in that 7-5 and five quagmire that the Dolphins and Bills and Everybody Browns, else the <laughs> Steelers. Everybody was there. Oh, really pretty much everybody in the AFC minus so them. the Chargers yeah. are <laughs> above that at 8-4. and four. The New England Patriots... Uh, they played well last week. It's just that they ran into a team that was playing a little bit better. And they were on the road in Lambeau, uh, Green Bay winning 26-21. Patriots are 9-3, and and everybody outside of people in New England are rooting for the Chargers to win this mm-hmm. game so the Patriots can go to 9-4 and because the Patriots, in terms of 
possibly clinching the number one seed, has wins against every other division leader. They defeated Indianapolis. They defeated Cincinnati. They defeated Denver. So as long as the Patriots don't lose again, they're the number one seed. But everyone outside of New England is rooting for a Patriots loss, especially this week. So we have the Patriots and the Chargers on Sunday night. Yeah, the Patriots are going to win. You say that and you're so excited about it. Yeah, I'm one of those people that want them to lose. Um, they're going to win. They don't lose two in a row. <laughs> They've been practicing in San Diego all week. They went right from Wisconsin to San Diego, so there wouldn't be any jet lag. There wouldn't be any any excuses for being tired or going across coast. They've been out there all week. Um, they win. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they just win. And it... San Diego's defense can't stop Brady. He, they just can't. And he's going to throw. He is going to throw all day. And he's he's going to win. Well, that's my... my I think he's going to throw all okay. day. Yeah, well, even do. with the return of LeGarrette Blunt and even possibly Jonas Gray, who has right. been in the doghouse the past couple of weeks because he, so well he did so well against Indianapolis. The, and then, know, he, he, then you miss a practice. You miss a practice and he sent a message. I know. He does send a message, but it's to the detriment of your team, period. Um, you know, he had an amazing game. And, you know, it takes pressure off your quarterback and I'm sorry Tom Brady kind of can use a break here and there he's not any younger and when you've got now you've got blunt back it, use your don't rely on Brady to win your game is Belichick and that's what he does and guess what didn't work last week so you know run the ball um and he's they're gonna win this week but I mean just I think it needs to be a little bit more balanced offense for the rest of the season yeah and and they were getting there and they're getting there anytime the Patriots can balance their offense and or run more times than Mm -hmm. they throw um Mm -hmm. I always pick New England um in this game at least San Diego was on the brink they could have lost and gone to seven and five and somehow recovered but their schedule is murderous uh, at is. the end of the season. They still have to play Denver. They still have to play San Francisco. They have this game against New England. It's almost like the Bills schedule. Oh, the Bills my God. Schedule. We have Green Bay. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know, going back to Bill, you know, probably the three best uh, teams in some sort of order yeah. are Denver, Green Bay, and New England. The Bills have yep. to play all three. three. Yep. Um, you know, sandwich a Raiders game here. No one's talking about that game with the Bills. Yeah. They're all talking about the other three games yeah. because the Bills yeah. have to well, go up against these quarters. No one, no one cares about Oakland. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> I would worry about if Oakland was still winless. Yeah. Then they may have played really hard and possibly yeah. went one against Buffalo, but the Raiders got their win. Yeah. So they may just settle for one in 15. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, with, but in this game, the Chargers were yeah. really on the brink last week. They needed to win that game, and they did. They found a way to win. Over the past eight, nine years, ever since Phillip Rivers has been there, the the Chargers have played the Patriots very well. Yes, uh, they've they come have. away with a couple of victories. Um, they could win. They definitely could win, especially could. in San Diego. And I do believe that somehow, some way, the Chargers always make it interesting, win or lose. Oh yeah, <laughs> they always make it interesting. Oh, I, I, I hope I'm wrong about my pick. Always, I hope. Well, I'm wrong or about you my can pick. put it this way: I hope Addy's pick is correct. Yes, because I'm going with San Diego. Okay, yay! I'm All going right, with, good. I'm At going least with, one of us I'm is going with San Diego. I'm being realistic. I'm being realistic. I'm going with San Diego in this right. game. And uh, let's not lose sight of the fact that if San Diego wins, both New England and San Diego would be nine and four. And if somehow San Diego won the division against Denver and were tied with New England. 
San Diego yeah. win the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. So that which would, be would go with your pick in the beginning of the <laughs> exactly, season. Exactly, yeah, so which is Chargers Super Bowl. Yeah. So, yeah, so those are our eight games uh, that we have broken down and previewed. So we agree with Dallas, and we agree with the Buffalo Bills. We agree with the Arizona Cardinals. So three games that we agree on. We disagree with five. You have Pittsburgh over Cincinnati. I have the Bengals. You have Baltimore over Miami. I have the Dolphins. You have the Colts. I have the Browns. I'll probably be wrong on that one. Uh, You have the Seahawks. I have the Eagles. At Lincoln Financial Field, you have the Patriots, and I have the San Diego Chargers. So that's our third down segment. And now we are off to our fourth down. And, of course, you should know what fourth down is. It's either time to punt or time to go for it. So... I present Holly with a hypothetical situation, and she will either punt the hypothetical situation and say it won't happen, or go for it and say this situation will happen, and this scenario will happen. And the fourth down segment is about a former number one pick who is playing very, very, very well. His name, and I hope you're lucky, his name's Andrew Luck. Um, So on this fourth down segment, Andrew Luck leads the NFL in passing. He has 4,011 yards. The NFL record for most passing yards in a season happened last year. Peyton Manning, 5,477 yards. He broke Drew Brees' record by one yard. Uh, Drew Brees did it in 2011, and Peyton Manning did it last year. So Andrew Luck is averaging 300 and 34 yards per game passing. Now, he's on pace to be one of the top-ranked single-season passers in terms of yards, but he is not on pace to break Peyton Manning's record right now. But in the final four games for the Indianapolis Colts, three of the teams the Colts are facing are 18th or worse in pass defense in terms of passing yards allowed. The Tennessee Titans are 18th. The Dallas Cowboys are 20th against the pass. The Houston Texans are 29th against the pass. Only the Cleveland Browns rank above 18th in terms of pass yards per game allowed. They are 8th. So if Andrew Luck averages 367 yards per game passing, 367, he will break Peyton Manning's record, 5,477 yards. I also mentioned 367 yards because of the 12 games Andrew Luck has played this season. He has thrown for over 367 yards half the time, six games out of 12. So my hypothetical situation to you is this. Andrew Luck averages at least 367 yards passing in the final four games and breaks Peyton Manning's record. 5,477 yards passing in a season. Do you go for it or do you punt? I'm punting because of the Cleveland game. Punting because of the Cleveland game. Yeah, he's not going to get 367 on the Cleveland. Now, he may not get 367 against Cleveland, but he could get you know 460 against Houston. No, I don't think so. So it's just an average, 367. Yeah, I understand that. But yeah, I, I was doing the math while you were, you were, you were spitting your tail. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think the Cleveland game, um, yeah, I realize the other teams are bad in the pass rush, but I, I just don't see him. I mean, he ha- for him to do this, he'd have to be very, you know, overly amazing. I mean, he's amazing anyway, but Cleveland, I don't think he's going to get that 367 or higher. I don't think he's going to get in the 400 range with any of the three that are left, um, even with the bad pass rush. I just don't see that happening. So I, I'm, I'm I'm punting this it's one. It's not as if the Colts have a vaunted run game either. Well, I understand that, um, but I'm, I'm going to punt on this one. He, he's, he's not going to get the record this not year. I think he's going to come close, but I don't think he's going to Yeah, he's it. on pace for, I think, 
5348. He's yeah, close. He's close, but so I don't think he's going to get it. So he just has to step it up a little bit. He's averaging 334. Yeah. He has to get to 367 yeah. in the final four. I don't. And the other reason I'm putting on this is I don't think he's thinking about that. He's thinking about winning a game. He is not thinking about breaking Panning, Peyton Manning's record. Yeah. He's just not doing. It. That's not how Andrew Luck works. If yeah. uh, you know, you've seen interviews with this kid. He he doesn't think like that. He doesn't think about breaking records. He doesn't. He just thinks about winning that game right there, right now. And great if all those other yards come. You know that's how he thinks. So I, I just don't think if he was shooting for that, yeah, I, I would say yep, okay. But he's not. So no. Yeah, part of the reason why I think this is something to really think about. Again, as I said, it's not as if the Colts moved the ball on the ground at mm-hmm. all with Trent Richardson um, and Ahmad Bradshaw. They do almost all of their damage through the air. So if yeah. the Colts average 400 yards per game on total offense, Andrew Luck's probably going to be responsible for somewhere around 360 of those um, per game. And if they average more, he's probably going to be even more responsible for that. Um, And as I said, he's thrown for over 367 half of the time, uh, 6 out of 12 games. So it's not as if even against a team that uh, has a pretty good pass defense that he couldn't light them up, uh, especially the Browns game, as you mentioned, the Browns could hold him down. Mm-hmm. But if the Colts' main way to move the ball is through the air, maybe they can be able to uh, do well against the Browns. Is it feasible? Uh, yes. yes. Very feasible. But I'm punting Okay, as well. no problem. Um, I, if you asked me that question, I would probably punt as well. Mm-hmm. But again, I wouldn't put 366, 367 yards per game in a four-game stretch. Brian Andrew Luck. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him uh, to do that. So that's why I think there is somewhat of a possibility that Andrew Luck can get the record, not necessarily because he's thinking of it, but because those are the Colts. Like, they throw the ball. You know, they throw the ball. They do. So, all right. So that was fourth down. And that was another episode of Down and Distance on a lot of sports talk. And Holly Corbettson, thank you so very much for playing Hurt. All right, and Thank doing you. this. No one Thank knows you. the hurt that Holly Culbertson has been <laughs> feeling the past few weeks, oh. but she has um, put dirt on it, rubbed dirt on it, oh. and banged out an hour's show. So. I did. <laughs> yes, I, I, did. I, I made it through. Thank you for having me and my, my hurt self. Oh, um, no. Don't. Hopefully I'll be <laughs> back and running. Yes. Like, CJ Spiller is practicing, so, you know, maybe CJ and I'll make a full comeback yes. next week, so we'll see what yes. happens. Yes, <laughs> you were questionable this week. Next week, uh, hopefully you'll be upgraded to yes. probable. Probably uh, would be great. Yeah. I would like to be for sure playing <laughs> next week, but I'll be happy with probable. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> no, well, thank you so very much for joining us. Once again, stay tuned and continue to look at a lot of sports talk on our website, a lot of sports talk.com. We have our new weekly segment on college basketball, three point play. Our first um, edition of three point play is up. We had an interview with one of the players on one of the top 10 teams in the country. Gonzaga's Kevin Pangos tomorrow, Thursday, we will have our, a lot of sports talk top 25 you saw the top 25 for the college football playoff rankings you will see our top 25 i believe we're going to have tcu in the top four like uh the committee did as well so um again stay tuned to a lot of sports talk the a lot of sports talk podcast will be back we have two and maybe three interviews set up we won't tell you who we set it up with but there'll be great guests and again holly corbettson will be back with us for a future edition of Down and Distance. And again, we thank you so very much for joining us. And we thank you for joining us and listening to us. For Holly Culbertson, my name is Adeshina Koike. This has been 
down and distance on a lot of sports talk. Again, enjoy the royalty-free music. You take care. Bye.